Good morning, everybody. Happy Crime Day and welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by the Prime Minister's favourite party pooper, Pippa Crera. Good morning, Pippa. Good morning. That's terribly unfair. I like a party as long as it's a legal one. <laughs> now, this is the People's Pay-Per-View, so get into the comments. Ask us your questions. The best ones do get up on the screen and we will answer them live. If those of you listening later on podcast, you're just going to have to scream at the sky, I'm afraid. So, crikey, what is there to talk about today? Well, the mirror has splashed on the news last night that the PM, his wife and the next door neighbour have all been issued a criminal penalty by the police after attending a birthday party in Number 10 Downing Street during lockdown in June 2020. Boris Johnson is now the first prime minister in history to be found to have broken the law while in office and, what's more, to admit it. For those who may be a bit confused about who did what at which party, uh, this was the one where Boris Johnson was said to have been ambushed by cake produced by his wife Carrie to celebrate his birthday. Pictures taken by his official photographer uh, were later reported by our Pippa but have not yet been published. Uh, the Prime Minister holding a beer and Rishi Sunak holding an orange juice reportedly. Rishi said he popped in ahead of a planned meeting and had no idea it was a birthday party, despite the cake and beer and photographs. And the Prime Minister's interior designer, Lulu Little, also said she'd been present while visiting Downing Street to discuss the wallpaper. Now, a total of 50 fines have been issued so far. We only know about who's received four of them, those three and their former ethics chief, Helen McNamara. And last night, Boris Johnson issued an apology. Uh, run VT. Thank you very much for, for coming. Uh, today, I've received a fixed penalty notice from the Metropolitan Police relating to an event in Downing Street on the 19th of June 2020. And let me say immediately that I've paid the fine and I once again offer a full apology. And in a spirit of openness and humility, I want to be completely clear about what happened on that date. My day began shortly after 7am and I chaired eight meetings in number 10, including the Cabinet Committee deciding COVID strategy. I visited a school in Hemel Hempstead, which took me out of Downing Street for over four hours. And amongst all these engagements on a day that happened to be my birthday, there was a brief gathering in the Cabinet Room shortly after 2pm, lasting for less than 10 minutes, during which people I work with kindly passed on uh, their good wishes. And I have to say, in all frankness, at that time, it did not occur to me uh, that this might have been a breach of the rules. But of course, the police have found otherwise, and I fully respect the outcome of their investigation. I understand the anger that many will feel that I myself fell short when it came to observing the very rules which the government I lead had introduced to protect the public. And I accept in all sincerity that people had the right to expect better. And now I feel an even greater sense of obligation to deliver on the priorities of the British people, strengthening our economy, creating jobs and opportunities, leveling up across the whole of the United Kingdom. Uh, now, of course, ensuring that Putin fails in Ukraine and easing the burden on hard-working families caused by higher energy prices. I was working very, very hard on my birthday. Um, 
And so just cake, not my fault kind of thing. Uh, now, I think there's some lots of questions that come out of that, not least the fact that uh, you can spend four hours having your picture taken uh, rather than doing any proper work. <clears throat> but that was a pooled TV interview where he only had to face one journalist who didn't ask him very many questions. And not how <coughs> he broke the Partygate story in the mirror at the back at the end of November last year. It's recess as well, which means there is no prime minister's questions. The MPs are spread all over the country, not conspiring against him in the pubs and tea rooms and uh, there's no lobby briefing for us nasty journalists to ask more questions so Pippa we've had four resignations over parties already since your first story broke Labour wants these two to do the same now what are the chances? Right now very very low I mean I think it's quite clear this morning um, with the vast majority of the Prime Minister's cabinet coming out in support of him, saying that while he made a mistake and was right to resign, it's time to move on. There are bigger issues to discuss, such as Ukraine um, and the cost of living crisis, that there is no pressure, or rather that there is not enough pressure internally in the Conservative Party to depose Boris Johnson. And that, Susie, is the only way it could happen in the short term, that Conservative backbenchers, 54 of them, put in their letters um, to the backbench committee calling for the confidence vote, which the prime minister would then have to lose for there to be a leadership contest. And while there is still a lot of distress and anger amongst conservative backbenchers about the prime minister's behaviour, because this is, of course, just one party um, that he's been fined for, um, they don't yet feel that now is the right moment. Now, there's a few reasons for that. One is that the immediate anger, the immediate public fury has subsided because this police investigation has taken several months. So while they will be hearing from their constituents this week while they're on recess and getting emails and letters and so on, and the anger is very definitely still there, it's not as pronounced as it once was. It's not all over the front pages in quite the same way. Um, another issue is the um, the fact that there there is big there are lots else going on. The prime minister is playing um, a very powerful role in the Western response to the Ukraine crisis, and this kind of a feeling is more of an excuse really amongst his MPs that while there's war going on on the edges of Europe, he can't be moved from office. Despite the fact that historically there have been changes of British prime ministers in previous conflicts, including Falklands and Iraq, most recently. Um, but I think the biggest reason why MPs are not moving against the Prime Minister right now is because there's a lack of an obvious successor. Now, this was the case at the time of the Port Pie plot back in February when things got very heated for the Prime Minister. And it's even more the case now that Rishi Sunak has found himself mired in all this sort of all these woes about his um, his family's fortunes, his family finances, and whether his you know how much tax his company paid his his family paid in this country and also his own green card status. He was the most likely successor to Boris Johnson and he's in trouble. He's also, of course, paid a fine for being at that same event. So there's not uh, an obvious successor right now ready to take over. And Conservative MPs are very aware of that. Now we'll come on to, I'm sure, but I'm sure there's questions and so on, so I won't bang on for too long. But um, we'll come on to the fact that this was, of course, just one fine and the police investigation continues. And I think that while we can say that the Prime Minister is not going to resign now and is safe for now, that may not be the case in weeks to come. Yeah. Now, Julie says, how much was the fine? This fine was £50, Julie, but it doubles for every subsequent fine. So the total yet to come, we'll have to find out, I suppose. Now, Pippa, I do have 
I'm going to just say here, I'm putting this on the record, I can't join your left-wing hate-filled conspiracy against the Prime Minister because I've got some sympathy for him um, because I've been ambushed by cake. On more than one occasion, I've been tripped up by Victoria Sponges. I've been tempted away from my work by the enticement of a triple-layered chocolate fudge thingamabob. Only this weekend, I was actually taken very much by surprise by the pink frosting on a six-year-old's birthday cake because it looked like it had crystal meth on it and had much the same effect on me. It's got to be said. (laughs) Um, I think most of us will probably admit, in our heart of hearts, even you, Pippa, that if there is a Jaffa cake within a mile radius of us, that little bugger is going to find a way into our faces. Um, So I do believe a cake is capable (laughs) of hunting you down and smearing itself lasciviously without even your consent all over your face. And there's very little you can do about it. And if anybody actually says to me, Susie, what happened with the cake? That is very much the answer I too would give in that situation. Um, But as you said, there are more parties the police are investigating. Now, my spreadsheet has a total of 22 alleged parties that have been reported since you broke your story. 12 of those, only 12, are ones that are being investigated by the police. Six of them Boris Johnson is supposed to have been at. This is just the fine for the first one. So it may well be that the Prime Minister has been ambushed by a cake, but has he also been ambushed by beer, wine, cheese, leaving dues, karaoke machine, and a suitcase packed with bottles from the offie? He's not going to be able to claim that excuse for all of it, is he? Well, that's true, if indeed there are more fines forthcoming. And it certainly looks like the police have been doing um, these fixed penalty notices in tranches. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, we had the first 20 FPNs, um, which later emerged were for those two events which took place on the the eve of Prince Philip's funeral. Um, And then the 30, which were issued yesterday, were for the June 19th event. Um, and as you rightly say, there are five more events that the Prime Minister was at. The police may not, obviously may decide not to issue fines for all or any of those. But should they do, the Prime Minister faces this drip, drip, drip effect. And while his comments in Chequers last night about taking responsibility and but feeling it's time to move on and the support of his cabinet overnight may work this time, I think if we... Find them, if they find themselves in the position of having to defend him again and again and again, and this continues, then it's a much trickier position for the Prime Minister, not least because we've got the May elections in a few weeks' time. I don't want to overstate it, but it is the first electoral test the Prime Minister's faced since all these revelations have come out, since the police fine. Um, and so that will be an important moment for the Conservatives. And also, let's not forget, we're still waiting for the full Sue Gray report, which even in its short summary version was fairly damning. And if the Prime Minister says, as he has done, that he takes all responsibility, then at what point do you say, well, I take responsibility for the culture that existed in Number 10. Um, I don't think it was my fault, which has been his line so far. And that still sounds like a valid response. I think people will start to ask, how you can say you take full responsibility for the actions in number 10 and for the culture that existed there, and then not. So I'm not saying that he's about to go. There's all sorts of other factors at play, um, not least the, you know, how the opposition deal with all of this. But I do think that it's, 
is the, pe- the moment of peril is not over for him. And number 10 knows that. Yeah. Now, you keep saying you take responsibility and then not doing anything to actually show that you've taken responsibility, such as resigning or anything else. Now, Roy says, good morning, Roy. So all people that broke the law in June of that year can claim they didn't realise what they did was wrong and all will be forgiven, he asks. Um, you won't be forgiven by the law, Roy. Uh, you won't be have your fines alleviated because it is against the law. That's why the Prime Minister has paid <clears> his <throat> fine. Um, but it is possible, of course, if your friends and family know that you were fined in June of that year, you too can say, well, I'm sorry, I was ambushed by a, by a cake and, and that's the end of it. And people will perhaps be more forgiving of their neighbours because of what Boris Johnson has done compared to, you know, how everyone was grassing up their neighbours a couple of years ago. Now, Sarah says, apologies don't cut it, Boris. We had family dying alone while you were parting. You absolute scumbag. The sooner he's out, the better. Now, they... Keep asking your questions. <laughs> Tell us what, what you think about Boris Johnson's apologies. Do you think this cuts it? Do you think he's going to have more fines? Do you think he should resign? Or do you think, as many Tory MPs do, that he should stay in office and see <clears throat> through this crisis? Even though, as Pippa said, prime ministers had left office before and when we actually had troops committed to fighting, which we don't this time. Now, Michelle says, my dad and son, respectively, couldn't celebrate their 30th and 70th parties with their immediate family, yet Boris had, has had many gatherings. It's actually quite easy to avoid parties, Pippa. I manage to not have a party most days, lockdown or not. What's more difficult for a lot of people, I think, is not going to the care home, or yeah. not going to the hospital bedside, not attending the funeral. Yet millions of people manage to not do that as well despite the massive pain it caused them. And privately, I've seen today that it's being reported that privately Boris and Rishi were seriously surprised to hear they were being fined, unlike most of us who were kind of expecting it. So Rishi in particular feels, and I quote, particularly hard done by. And They both still believe, even now, that they did nothing wrong, which just shows how out of touch they are. How do you think they're... Do you think that's true, Pippa? Do they seriously think that even now, despite everything you've said to them for months, that they don't they don't think they did anything wrong still? So I think Rishi Sunak, I think Rishi, I think Rishi Sunak and um, the Prime Minister are two different examples. Rishi Sunak um, was, of course, um, the uh, only present at one of the alleged gatherings. He thought he was on his way to a meeting. He turned up and he found that the party was taking place. He had a glass of orange juice. He probably should have turned heel and left or suggested to them that it didn't go ahead. Um, but you can understand in the, in the moment why somebody might find themselves find that a bit of an awkward situation when the Prime Minister has been presented by a cake and a rendition of Happy Birthday and his wife was there and all the rest of it. So um, I think he should still have expected to be fined, but I can understand the, the surprise. The Prime Minister is different because he was involved in so many of the other gatherings. And right in that very first story that we did um, last year, Susie, we reported a couple of specific dated incidents, three specific dated incidents. But also I had sources in number 10 telling me that there was a culture that existed there that um, was, uh, you know, the, the Prime Minister, if he was not aware of the parties, uh, he turned a blind eye to others, and in some cases he took part. So, um, you know, that culture continued, there were lots of gatherings, and it's it's really incredulous to suggest that he wasn't aware that, um, you know, they were social events. The rules, let's not forget, at the time were very clear, the June the 19th one, you weren't allowed a social gathering 
indoors. I've not really admitted this to many people, Susie, but my birthday is also June the 19th. So I've cast my mind back to what I was up to in June 19th, 2020. And the answer is nothing. I did have a cake, but it was, it was uh, one made by my children at home. And I had it with my husband. And then the next day I went and sat in the park with a couple of friends at social distance and, um, you know, raised a, raised a glass of wine from afar. And that was the extent of my celebrations. Now, I'm not, I was quite happy about that because I, of course, you recognise that there were bigger issues at play and it was important to follow the rules. But for many people, it's not, like you say, just about a birthday party. It's about the other sacrifices they made. And in some cases, they were very extreme sacrifices, both in terms of not seeing dying relatives or... Um, very ill family. And I think that's the issue that um, it feels now that the government, that Boris Johnson in particular, was completely out of touch, that he doesn't seem capable of understanding what was going on. Well, even the rules that he was having explained to us on a daily basis at five o'clock in a news conference. Now, Billy Roberts knew, I think perhaps he's been off Facebook before and has come back again. All you newspaper people are quite clever. Thanks, Billy. You have this for people to comment on. Yep. And when you see good comments, you steal them. Nope, they're still your comments. Uh, and use them. Yeah, we, we pick them up and put them on the screen and try to make out that yous are saying the words. Nope, we're, we're making out that it's yous saying the words, Billy. Absolute jokers, yous don't fool me, brain dead. Okay, Billy, thanks for your interjection. Um, Pamela says, do you think war excise okay? Excuse. Excuse, sorry. Pamela, there you go. Uh, people got it before me. Seems immoral to me to use the suffering of Ukrainians as an excuse for the war. Uh, are we pygmy on the world stage? The fact is, people, I mean, there's a lot of Tory MPs that have come out today saying the war in Ukraine is a, you know, has changed slightly the tone of newspaper coverage, certainly about Boris, uh, and that it's kind of an excuse. They're out there pushing the party line that he made a mistake. He admitted it. It's all move on. There's more important things to worry about. 67 of them so far, I think, have made public statements of support. But there are more than 350 Tory MPs, so there's still not very many, really. Um, Grant Shapps called him flawed on Radio 4 this morning and then went on to call him a great statesman. I'm not sure how big the flaws need to be before you are no longer a great statesman but i'd suggest not understanding the law might qualify you on that point but it looks like like you said to people we're not at the stage of 54 letters of no confidence going in but if there are more fines what's the mood in the tory backbenchers if there's more fines do we think that we could get to that 54 stage again if we have that drip drip that we had before I think it depends not on um, the Tory MPs, but on the public reaction. And the reason that the Tory MPs came so close to acting last time was because their inboxes were suddenly full of messages from angry and upset constituents. And if they pick up on the ground in their constituencies that that, that drip, 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 drip effect is having an impact on the Prime Minister's standing, then they will feel more likely to act. I mean, it's astonishing how many MPs will say privately but they don't think that he'll be taking them into the next election. The big question, of course, then remains, at what point do you get rid of him? And as I say, it's not just about the fact that the Ukraine crisis is on right now. That is awful, and it's quite right that the UK is taking the response that it is. And I think anybody would say that the Prime Minister is playing a key role in the Western response to that, including with his visit, symbolic visit to Kyiv at the weekend. But that doesn't detract from everything else that's going on at home. And I think we'll hear a lot more, for example, the cost of living crisis in the weeks ahead as well. That's really impacting seriously on people's lives. So constituents, I think, will be not just about Partygate, but about the cost of living crisis, will be making clear their views 
to Tory MPs. Um, and, um, and so they'll be conscious that there's other things going on. But like I say, there's also the issue of who would take over. And it's all very well saying, well, we'll get rid of Boris Johnson. But if they don't have an obvious successor, then that makes it very hard. And I think that ultimately may hold them back from acting. And we may see Boris Johnson hobbling on um, with the, uh, you know, into the, you know, the next next couple of years into the run up to the next general election. There's only about eighteen months or so until the next general election kicks off, and then, you know, has is there enough time to replace him? Although, you know, Ben Wallace is very popular, the defence secretary, and uh, it would be perhaps be a good idea to replace a prime minister with a defence secretary in the middle of a military crisis. Who knows? Um, now, Rob says, what about all the Labour MPs who broke the rules? Uh, there weren't very many of them, Rob. Um, and they haven't been fined, as far as anybody knows. They weren't in Downing Street, and they weren't writing the laws that everybody else had to follow. So, uh, not quite the same issue, but thanks for trying. Uh, what we'll really do for Boris, of course, is if more pictures come out. No pressure, Pippa. Crack <laughs> on with that one, please. Now, keep asking us your questions. Uh, get into the comments. We do have another other story we're going to talk to you about today. So, very quickly... In summer 2020, British Airways began the process of firing 10,000 staff on the basis there was no flying going on. This is the same time as the parties, of course. They later rehired thousands of them back on worse deals. And last year, it was reported they aimed to get these new staff online and working at the airports for summer this year. But it's Easter and people go away on holiday at Easter too. And as a result, partly of BNA's, BA's fire and rehire, plus the P&O shutdown at the ports and a lack of border staff, thanks to Pretty Patel, there is predicted to be total chaos this weekend for everyone trying to get back home after the school holidays. Now, Pippa, is this, I suppose the question is whether this is just a series of bad decisions by bad idiot people running companies or that just, you know, just piled up into a mess? Or is there something the government could have done to avert this? I think there's two key areas beyond the, um, the sort of separate issues on the ground in different airports, which are in part down to the airport management. And the two key issues are security vetting of staff <laughs> and, um, and uh, COVID rates. And the fact that COVID has soared and we're at the highest levels for, since the height of the pandemic, Fortunately, is the Omicron variant and lots of people are jabbed, so they're not ending up in hospital or dying in the same numbers. So life is kind of carrying on as usual. Um, but it does mean huge numbers of staff absences, both on the ground in airports and crucially with airlines. Um, and then obviously the security aspect of it. As you say, the airlines en masse, particularly BA and, and EasyJet, got rid of an awful lot of staff at the height of the pandemic, experienced staff, staff that had been vetted, that were security aware and were trained, and now find themselves in a position where they're suddenly having to rehire people who don't have the same level of expertise. And that is taking time. And the government's um, vetting process, DBS vetting process, which is um, ultimately sort of set in place by the government, is notoriously slow at the best of times. It clearly is not um, fit for purpose, and it certainly isn't equipped to be able to deal with the scale of vetting that needs to take place now for security both on the on the planes and in the airports so you know it's a kind of a perfect storm made worse by the fact that so many people want to travel over the easter holidays and one which really um i think people passengers are just going to have to have to go in and bear it in the short term because until more of the security checks take place and until there's fewer people off ill with covid it's likely to continue and we just need to keep our fingers crossed that it's resolved before the summer holidays
Yeah, so bear that in mind, everyone. If you're, if you're being annoyed, as I am, by your pictures of your mates on Instagram, sunning themselves somewhere, uh, warm yourself up with the fact that they're going to spend six hours in a queue on their way back home. Um, now, thanks for that, Pip. Thanks for explaining that. Now, keep asking your questions, everybody. What do you think about Boris and Rishi and Carrie's fines? Do you think that's the end of it? Do you think there should be resignations? Do you think there should be more fines? Do you think that this matters or not anymore? Keep asking us your questions and we'll wrap them at the end. But first, there is some, well, sort of good news in the world and we found it for you. Here it is. It's not good news for anybody else, uh, but for a likes cake. Just when you thought that cake couldn't get any worse at the things it can do to make people do, it's now disguising itself as raw chicken. There's an artist called Ben Cullen from Chester who has found a way to make the delicious, lovely cake that we all love look like uncooked poultry, uh, a hot dog with ketchup and mustard on, a burger, a football and even a dismembered wrapper. There he is. He seems quite perky about it. <laughs> you might wonder why, but seeing as he sell these things for up to £50,000 a time and it only takes him three days to make them. I think the reason for doing it is pretty obvious. Um, but Pippa, I suppose this is, despite its appearance, good news for the Prime Minister at least. Does it show that cake is capable of disguising itself, leaping yeah. <laughs> out at us unawares and knocking us for six? I hope you realise, Susie, that there is actually still some debate about whether the cake existed at this party. It was reported <laughs> that there was a cake and then number 10, furious number 10 aides, once the police investigation on that particular event was over, said there wasn't any bloody cake. Um, and now it appears that the cake was there, but didn't ever emerge from its Tupperware box. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so he was ambushed of... by, a, by an untasted cake. It wasn't even a cake that could entice him enough to get it out of the box. Well, maybe it looked like raw chicken. I don't know. I, that may be a comment too far on... Um, on either the Prime Minister's wife's baking abilities or or indeed Marks and Spencer's. You know, probably had pistachios on it. No one likes <laughs> those cakes. I can avoid banana bread all damn day long. That's not a problem. So maybe it was that. Um, Mike says, uh, Tories have chosen the rule of the Tory party over the rule of law. This will haunt them like the expenses scandal for years. Uh, is this going to be a generational problem, Pippa, do you think, very quickly at the end? It's certainly, it's certainly one that the Tories are going to have to watch out for in the run-up to the next election, and you can bet your bottom dollar that Labour will be capitalising on that and reminding everybody at every opportunity. Yes, I'm sure there'll be some cake on some billboards if there is a general election coming up any point soon. Thank you, Joe, for joining us, Pippa. Thank you for all your hard work. Uh, and uh, keep at it. I'm sure we'll have you back again to talk more, more parties at some point in the future. Thank you for taking part, everyone. Uh, and we'll see you again, not next Monday, because the news agenda will be off for Easter Monday, but we will have a special bonus episode for you. Uh, so make sure you do tune in and there'll be a great video to watch next Monday. Uh, see you on Wednesday after that. Toodaloo. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>